I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You're listening to a special exclusive podcast edition of our broadcast. I'm delighted to welcome the founding brothers behind Midas Touch, Ben, Brett, and Jordan Mycellus. Welcome to you all. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us on the show. Thank you. Um, you've been behind some of the innovative multimedia presentations, educating the electorate on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, let me ask you, Ben, just about the genesis of your project so you can explain it to our listeners. That's great. Well, we're three brothers from Long Island who pursued different career paths. Uh, although we all began editing videos together at kids in our childhood home in Plainview, New York. Uh, I became a civil rights litigator um, and a trial lawyer. Uh, Brett became an Emmy Award winning editor and Jordy became a marketing executive out in New York. And so while we were sitting home during the quarantine, um, seeing our country fall apart and getting to really focus on all of the problems and crises we were facing and the failure of leadership from Donald Trump, we all said, we always wanted to work together as brothers on something. And we said, how can we put our talents together and do something different, interesting, profound, and try to make a difference? And so we came up with this idea of Midas Touch. It borrows from our last name, Mycellus, is the M-E-I. Um, and then our slogan, Truth is Golden. Our mother's maiden name is Golden. And so we put this together and um, started putting together these videos, and, and they started to take off. They are taking off. Let me ask you, Brett, which has been your favorite to produce? And when I ask you about favorite, do you define favorite as the one that is most viral or that most resonates message-wise? I think if I had to pick a favorite, it would be, to me, the one that was most impactful in getting us to where we are today. And to me, that's Are You Better Off, which was the first video we did. Um, I think Are You Better Off had the combination of appealing to all sides of the aisle. And just to backtrack a bit, what the video does is it uses Ronald Reagan's debate performance against Jimmy Carter in the 80s. And when he asked, are you better off than you were four years ago? Are you able to get food easier than you were four years ago? Do you have more money in your pocket than you had four years ago? And those words contrasted with the real images on the ground in America today in a post-COVID world where Donald Trump fumbled the ball, allowed the virus to come in, called it a hoax. I, I, it just resonated in a really powerful way. And it was our first video to get over a million views and to bring us attention and to get our message out. And so that one resonates with me in a very special way. And so I, I think I got to go with that one. Let me ask you about the Long Island roots, uh, which I share in part. I've kind of been a nomad throughout my time in the state. But in your Long Island community, would you describe it as a middle-of-the-road district that has voted for both Republicans and Democrats? This is Ben. I, I would. You know, I, I took a trip back to Long Island a, a few years back and perhaps didn't recognize, uh, I, I guess, how conservative it, it was. Now, there was a conversation in the local donut shop, um, you know, just, just about social issues that kind of coming back 15 years later kind of surprised me to hear people, you know, talking about certain things in, in, in that way. But it's, 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 it's Long Island, I think, is more swing state than people 
um, than people give it credit for. Yeah. Um, are we talking about New York uh, too, uh, King's District right now, or, or are we talking about Zeldin's District, or, or none of the above? You know, I, I, I think, you know, I think across Long Island, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you have, and, and I've had a Republican, you know, congressman there for some time. When I was in college, I actually worked for a Democratic congressman from Long Island and was from, you know, a more, you know, a more liberal area. And I worked for Congressman Steve Israel um, back when I started college, you know, 20 years ago at this point. Um, but th th there is an interesting mix of, of, of views in Long Island. And in fact, a lot of those kind of viral videos, viral for the wrong reasons of kind of anti-mask wearing, you know, were, were some videos I saw out in, I think it's Suffolk County. Yeah, well, I believe that. And I think that there is really the potential, especially in King's District, um, for a change of leadership. Uh, which is sensible center left. There are certainly some progressive constituencies there, but but there is a part of Nassau and certainly Suffolk that I'd be interested in their reactions to your videos, to the Lincoln Projects videos, to the to the educational media being produced now um, that are very clearly and visibly saying to the American people, not just are you better off to quote Reagan, but do you embody the values that President Reagan embodied and acted on as the chief executive, uh, whether that's from a social position or an economic position? Uh, Jordan, let me ask you about the shadow banning. What is the status of your work right now vis-a-vis platforms like Facebook and Twitter? We know that the Lincoln Project, whom we've hosted several of their, their co-founders, uh, ran into issues in that social media up until maybe just months ago had been largely dominated by Trump and his allies, especially Facebook. But what's been your relationship with these platforms to date? Yeah, thank you. So the shadow ban is definitely, you know, a real thing that we're fighting through every day. Um, really, it happened more so. And, you know, Brett could probably speak to this a little bit better. But after that big Twitter hack that happened a few days ago now, about three or four days ago, the following day, we noticed that all sorts of sort of democratic accounts similar to ours uh, have kind of been muted in a sense. And the shadow ban makes it as if when folks kind of search for Midas Touch or Midas Touch videos and they're not already following us, for whatever reason, they don't see our account and they don't see our videos. Now, what we've noticed is if people post from their personal accounts on behalf of us, um, those videos tend to get through. So each day we're kind of trying to figure out different ways to make sure one that we're producing videos and two more importantly How are we getting those videos, you know seen by the masses? Yeah, at the end of the day We're not we're not gonna let it stop us and it's a very stealthy sort of shadow ban Like if if you were to ask Twitter are you do you shadow ban people their answer would be no But they would say we do we are able to control, you know, who sees what content and there are websites where you could go um, to see your status. And we started noticing because we were on a, a fast growth trajectory and we still are, but we noticed all of a sudden it, it, it plateau a little bit. And so after that hack, we, we looked up our status and sure enough, we were banned like Jordan hinted at from the search. And so what that means is if there's a trending hashtag that we create or that anyone else creates, or if somebody who doesn't follow us tries to search for Midas Touch tweets, You'll see people tweeting about us. You'll see people tweeting our videos, but you won't see our tweets. 
Um, so it just adds an extra layer of complication to people trying to, to find us and, and, it, and it hurts spreading our message. I mean, it does, but you know, I gotta say, we have amassed the greatest group of followers on the planet. They're dedicated, they're passionate, they understand the stakes of everything and they really got our back. And I have to thank them for that. I mean, we, we launched a video a couple days ago and despite the shadow ban, the video got 3.6 million views. It was a top five trend in the country. And for us to power on and, and go through that, I mean, that's, that's a testament to our, our supporters and our followers. Do you attribute the ban or the shadow ban to the fact that you are an organic, I was going to say citizen journalist, but, but sort of brothers alliance of journalists, citizen journalists, producers, not affiliated with a, a political consulting firm or a specific campaign or political action committee. It's, it's a very organic process for you all. Um, are you interested in, in um, getting folks on Twitter to legitimize it in the sense that you all ought to be verified as much as any other advertising firm or pack out there? Uh, or do you like the fact, as some people do on Twitter, that you are both or organic and autonomous from the kind of blue check and, and verification system that would maybe thwart the, the kind of ban that you're facing? Do you, do you relish the independence or, or do you think that, that your outfit would, would be more legitimized by Twitter in a sense and not face the, the issues you are now if, if you got that feedback from them? To me, blue, blue check or not, you know, we're going to be doing the same things. We're, we're going to, it's not going to affect us one way or the other. It's just uh, silliness on the part of Twitter. I mean, they, and they by are, the way, Twitter, Twitter used to seem to hand out verifications like candy. Like you can they, find they, that is true. <laughs> who have a hundred, who have a hundred followers and are verified. You've never heard of them and it's confusing. And then you see people who are very legitimate people. And, and, and you mentioned the Lincoln project before Lincoln project isn't even verified. So, so I mean, I, I'm fine with being this cool exclusive club where if you know us, you know us. And, and if a blue check comes along the way, we're happy to do it, but we're not in here. We're, we're not doing this for the blue check. We're not doing this to be legitimized in that way. Our legitimacy comes from the people. And, and I and see that message getting out purely as a function of reach, right? Wanting to, if, if Lincoln project or you all will have a better, and I experienced it myself with the Lincoln project in hosting some of the founders and t attempting to tag them on Facebook, it, there was a very specific way to tag them. And if you didn't do it that way, you could miss them. Yeah, it makes, uh, it, it, makes it easier for the reach. And, and being somebody who has run digital media for a few companies be before I started this, there are features that come with the verification that are helpful and allow you to see certain tweets a little easier and see other verified people who follow you and, and tweet you easier. There's a whole sort of other section that you're uh, allowed access to. But, but like I said, I mean, uh, the legitimacy of, of our account comes from our messages and it comes from people sharing it. So Indeed. Check, no blue check. I mean, it, it makes no difference to us. We just want to fight for our country. And, and we, we view this as an existential crisis for our nation. And we just want to do what we can to make a difference. Yeah, for sure, Brett. Um, let me ask you, Ben and Jordan and um, Brett, later to weigh in on this as well. Is there an ad that has not been produced yet um, it, among the constituencies that are producing them, the Biden campaign, Lincoln Project, 
Senate campaigns uh, running against Trump enablers. Is there something out there that hasn't been done that you still want to see done? And, and, and if so, are you in the process of crafting it now or would you like uh, to be done by one of those particular entities if you are not doing it? But I just wanted you each to kind of visualize for us maybe an ad that hasn't been done that you would like to see done. It could just feature a song, a backdrop, a particular line of attack or historical quote that you're invoking. But so I'm not asking you to conceptualize it fully, but just something that's not out there yet. Uh, ben, if I can start with you, that that ought to be out there. Well, I would say this. Um, Trump provides us with endless material, um, which is tragic. Um, over the last 60 days, we've produced amongst the brothers over 40 original videos um, that have hit him on all sides from messages that we think will resonate um, with conservatives to messages that we think will resonate with the youth to messages that will resonate with people who care about our national security, who should be everybody. Um, we've crafted um, videos that show why and how Trump scares women. Um, and we've shown how Trump projects and how his family projects um, their own criminality and their own corruption onto other people. So without getting into specifics, because as the lawyer um, of the group, I, I got to protect those um, trade secrets. But thematically, that's how we think about these in very specific categories like that. And then, of course, there are videos that are important for us as Midas Touch to serve as cheerleaders for the progressive base. Um, you know, there are some people who say, well, look, that video is just trolling Trump and what is that gonna do? Uh, we are making politics exciting again for progressives, for liberals, and we're making it uh, exciting and something to be passionate about, to care about civil rights, and to care about true freedoms and true values of liberals, of Democrats. And that is a service in addition to the other hard hitting um, stuff. But I can tell you in terms of the process um, of how we think as brothers, we're all on a text chain um, every day, a text message chain. We're watching the news. Um, we're talking to each other about things that are happening you know, on, you know, on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, look, the press secretary today says something like, Trump has always been consistent about wearing face masks. Okay, BS. You know, and it, it, it's that type of gaslighting that will inspire an idea, allow the brothers to communicate and talk about it on the text chat, and then go through and fact check that with all of the videos and all of the times we see Trump not wearing face masks, Trump undermining his message, Trump wanting to have rallies, you know, and expose people to, you know, to, to physical harm and sickness. And so while not directly answering your question, I think it is helpful, Alex, that you know about our thought process that goes into it, because that's how we approach a video. And that one example I gave you this morning is how we would hypothetically approach a video on an issue of face masks. That's helpful. Jordan, what do you have to add? Yeah, I think Ben really said it perfectly. Now, one thing that I might get in trouble with from the brothers leaving this now 
is <laughs> when we get closer to uh, election, I, I would love to see more content related to actually putting folks in that environment. Um, something that basically shows, hey, here's a hiccup that you might run into, um, but hey, there's no bigger hiccup right now than the person in the White House, so we just have to power through that, and this is how you can do it. So really arming you know, our followers and, and voters in large with the materials that they need to understand, okay, on election day, this is how I'm gonna go and cast my vote, this is what I might run into, and okay, I'm ready to do that. I think you're onto something, Jordan, because there is a missing link right now um, between the, I call it educational media, you can call it advertising or propaganda, but there's a missing link between the decibel level of activity on social and the grassroots organizing. Now, part of that is a function of the pandemic. You can't be knocking on doors. For all those who are as excited to phone bank, I know folks like Swing Left and other third-party groups are already undertaking that to support democratic accountability on November 3rd and in the weeks leading up to it. But I would imagine Midas Touch, Lincoln Project, and others ought to not just uh, deliver clicks and favorites and likes of those videos, but have very direct means to organize. And for the duration of this pandemic, that may mean phone banking exclusively. I'm, I'm sure that some of those maskless volunteers yeah. um, from the Trump campaign who are flouting and disobeying any kind of social distancing will be engaged in organizing and have a physical presence in communities, deep red communities, but maybe swing communities too. So isn't it really important? And do you agree that so far there's, there's a high volume outrage machine on Twitter and it is persuading people. It's not just outraging the already outrage, but it, it needs to translate into not just the poll numbers that are published each day, but real grassroots organizing. I don't know, Ben if, or Brad. Alex, I, I, I agree with that, Alex. And it's kind of that scene from Braveheart, you know, when, when, when he goes, you know, wait for it, wait for it, hold, <laughs> you know, go. You know, at some point we have to, we have to build this base that we're building that's captivated and motivated and excited and passionate. And we, 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 we've done that. We want that to get bigger, but, but, but we've done that in, in an incredible way. But then the question becomes, or the challenge becomes, now let's translate that enthusiasm into action on the streets themselves and translate that into voting. So we're doing things as Midas Touch to move beyond digital spaces as well. You know, we've taken out an ad buy in DC. We're going to be continuing to take out ad buys across the country and emerging as a digital company into you know more traditional medias. We're looking into billboards. We're looking into other physical spaces. But certainly, the last phase of what we intend to do is translate enthusiasm into both voter registration and the patience and fortitude that it's actually going to take to vote with all of the chaos that Trump and his cronies want to create. And Trump talks about voter uh, rigging at the polls. He talks about fraud of mail-in ballots, which is all, which is a fraudulent statement in, in and of itself. What the problem really is is voter suppression, and we need to find ways to get around voter suppression. I mean, in these states, they're they're closing 
95% of the polls. And they're making it so that hundreds of thousands of people have to go between three or four polling places. And that's un-American. I mean, I, we need to get people to the polls. And at the end of the day, enthusiasm counts. But if people don't vote, you know, that's, that's, that's the ultimate indicator at the end. I don't care what any poll says. We learned our lesson from 2016. People need to vote. That's true. And Wisconsin was at the height of the, the beginning um, pandemic phase, um, the, the sort of um, warning that this was a huge health issue uh, in, a, in a pretty pivotal Supreme Court election there, there were indications that, you know, even in spite of all the pandemic realities, people were eager to express uh, maybe more than ever their democratic right. And that, that's encouraging. I, you know, the, the closing chapter of this campaign uh, is after a VP selection and after the debates. And there will be ample video, I'm sure, for you three to consider during those phases, uh, the VP announcement and then more specifically potential debates. We don't know if they'll be held yet. But I, I look a lot to inspiration from the No campaign in Chile and the movie No um, in, in rejecting Trump. I think there are a lot of similarities in um, how you can bring out popular support um, for a return to our democracy and, and uh, a return to human rights. And you know that you, you haven't gone into any great specifics uh, with respect to future ads, but how do you hope that the campaign will culminate from an advertising perspective? Well, you know, using your example of, you know, of, of the no campaign, I hope that the, you know, what we can do is our small part to, you know, basically get rid of our Pinochet, you know, to get rid of our, you know, to get rid of Trump by highlighting the corruption, highlighting the valuelessness and greed that's there and also inspire other creators to use their talents. Uh, aside from our videos and the fact that they trend, you know, number one, despite the hundreds of millions of engagements that we get, what's been most inspiring is seeing other creators try to use the model that we've kind of created and spearheaded and put their own twists on it and get excited about it. If you're a poet, if you're an artist, if you're a singer, if you're an accountant, if you're a lawyer, if you're a journalist, if you're a blogger, if you're someone sitting at home right now who is disgusted at the direction the country is going in, and if you wake up each day with you know, trauma to see why is Trump tweeting this? Why is this going on? How could this be America? Well, enough is enough of just sitting around and moping around and feeling helpless. I, I, I get that that was a feeling in the early stages of this unprecedented administration with unprecedented corruptions and violations of constitutional norms, but 
what's been so inspiring about this journey is inspiring others to do something and create and, and, and use comedy and use theater and use all of those things I said to make a difference. That impact goes beyond Midas touch. It goes beyond our followers. It goes beyond views and it cuts into the very soul and inspires, you know, and inspires the nation to move. And that, that's where, that's where we need to go as creators. And that's what anybody with a voice right now needs to be doing. Yeah. In, in the seconds we have left, uh, let me just ask you, Brett and Jordan, if you have anything to add on that kind of closing chapter. To me, there have been some popular songs that haven't been employed. And of course, these days, you really need permission. Otherwise, the copyright holder will insist that Twitter or a live campaign rally being recorded that the YouTube video remove the, the audio. But there, there are some defining kind of songs or ideas. I've, I've often thought about when you wish upon a star and the kind of, you know, just incredible lying and gaslighting that we've experienced and the, the, uh, the intent of, of electing an outsider and the reality of that of, uh, in the context of Trump, Sweet Little Lies, um, is another song that I've that I've thought about, and and um, and then in the context of of just being the, a puppet of of extremists in the far right and, and Vladimir Putin, um, I'm I'm thinking of I'm your puppet, the the song uh, from an earlier era. But I think that you know the the no campaign supplied the the imagery of the the colors in rainbow, a visual cue back to happy days are here again, kind of the, the Chilean uh, FDR mantra. Uh, any, any particular insight uh, before we close, um, Brett, Jordan, or Ben, on, on that question of, of uh, beyond a Joe Biden logo or a Lincoln Project logo or a Midas Touch logo, um, some kind of symbol or image of this necessary transition that we are mobilizing for. I'll say this, the, going back to the music comment that you made, the first thing we do when we, before we release any video is license the music. So to see Trump constantly get his videos taken down is just laughable. Um, as someone who considers himself the quote unquote law and order president, he, he seems to break a lot of laws all the time. As someone who says he defends copyrights, he seems to get a lot of copyright uh, DMCA takedowns. Um, and so whatever we do will be by the book, first of all. Um, and if there's any sort of image, if there's any sort of image I could say, I mean, I, I think you just gotta really let people know that this isn't about Republican or Democrat or independent. This isn't partisan. Trump is fundamentally an un-American figure. He's sending secret police into cities. He's suppressing free speech. He's doing all the things that dictators and narcissists do. And we all need to be on the same side in repudiating this sort of behavior. I mean, there's, the message has to be that the stake of America is on the line. And it's not an exaggeration. And when politicians in the past have said, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, which is the, a phrase that's repeated over and over and over again, most of the time, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's not necessarily that true. 
This time, though, the fate of our country is in the hands of voters on November 3rd. And so I want everyone going to the polls knowing they're not fighting for even Joe Biden or the Democrats. They're fighting for America. I want to thank you, Brett, Jordan, Ben, for joining me today. Do check out the Midas Touch videos online, um, on Twitter and elsewhere. Really appreciate your, your patriotic efforts and hope to have you back a little bit later in this campaign. Thank Thanks you so much. Love to be back. Thank you for having us.